You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. Don't miss what God's doing. I, I feel God moving strong and speaking, and I believe there's a a word for all of us in the in the message today. And just, I truly believe that God's doing something big in us and through us. And uh, come on and go with. Don't get don't don't choose not to be a part. If you're turning with me, we're going to start in Proverbs thirteen twenty. And uh, last week, I told you last week that I just had way too much to squeeze all into one message um, where we started talking about friends and who your friends are and who you hang out with and all that kind of stuff. And I just kind of wrapped it up and put a bow on it last week. Well, we're going to jump back in right there. Um, But I want to talk to you about how to solve all of your problems and find healing. How's that sound? Pretty good. How do I do that? Buy raffle tickets from your pastor. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Don't. That's not how. Yesterday, I saw a book called How to Solve 50% of Your Problems. So I bought two. We all want to know how to solve our problems. But for real, you may not want to hear this because a lot of people don't. But if you want to solve all of your problems and if you want to find healing, if you want to be healthy and have an impact, then you need relationships. You're never going to do any of that on your own. We weren't designed to be on our own. You can't have a great impact alone. I, I, I did a survey this week in my own mind. All right, I do that a lot while I study. And in my survey, I thought of everybody I can think of that has a big impact in the world. Everybody I can think of that has a huge impact in the kingdom of God, that I can see tons of fruit from, that I can see doing great things for the kingdom. And and every single one of them has relationships. They're surrounded by people. In other words, they could not do what they're doing on their own. There's absolutely no way. Every single one. I couldn't think of one person that I could say is this loner that's not connected to anybody or anyone or any organization or anything, they're not, they're, and they're just making a big impact and changing the world. Mm-mm. It's not happening. So, what do I need to do? Because relationships are hard. Do you have the right friends? See, we all do life. We're all doing life with somebody. All of us. None of us are doing it alone. But do you have the right friends? Do they push you? Do they they make you better? Do they push you towards your purpose? Do they love you? Do they have grace for you? 
Last week, I told you the second most, deci- most important decision you will ever make in your life was who you do life with, your friends, your relationship. The first one being to love God and, and know that Jesus died for you on the cross. The second most important thing is who you're going to do life with. What kind of friends do you have? It's hard or impossible to stay sober if all your friends are drunks. Good luck. And I just picked that to, to pick on, but if you're struggling with something, any type of addiction, and you get around friends that are struggling with the same thing, and that's who you closely surround yourself with, then good luck. If you're trying to get healthy and start eating right and exercising and you're hanging around with all your buddies that are not, hey, guys, y'all want to go do something active? Nah, let's eat Cheetos and play video games. Eventually, you're sitting over there eating your celery and jogging around the house and they're eating Cheetos and playing video games, it it doesn't work. You just have to surround yourself with some people that are doing what you want to do. Talking physically, spiritually, mentally, it matters who the closest people are to you. You want to get out of debt, but every single one of your friends has a poverty mentality and that's just what it is. Or, the other way around, every one of your friends is trying to beat the Joneses, so every time they get a new car, you got to go into more debt to get you the newest, biggest car, and then every time they get a better house, you got to get a better house, and every time their child gets new shoes, you got to get new shoes, and and you're drowning and going into debt. You're like an NFL quarterback. Oh, you got more than me. i got to redo my contract. you got enough, dude. Is that your purpose? I'm going to work on my marriage. But all my friends have bad marriages or they're divorced. I predict your marriage isn't going to get much better. Hey, man, I told my wife I'd take her out tonight. I really need to start spending some time with her. Ah, it don't matter. Come on, just go bowling with the guys. Or a different type of friend. You know what? You're right. It's a lot more important that you get things right with your wife. Then you'll be healthy and we'll be better friends. You need to go do that. You're right. I'll tell you what. Don't come bowling with us. That's a real friend. Because they know what's good for you. Not just what they want or what's going to make them feel better about their situation. Who are your friends? Who are you doing life with? What do they encourage you to do? Who do they encourage you to be? Do they encourage you to live for something bigger than yourself or just selfish blinders? Do your friends, your relationships encourage you to dream big? Are they dream weavers, dream catchers, or dream crushers? Or Doug Weaver? Dreamweaver. Some people want to keep you small. Not Doug. I just threw his name in because of the Weaver thing. 
But some people want to keep you small. Remember we talked last week, baby shark. Da, 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 da. They want to keep you little. Because the call that God has on you is so big, it's intimidating. It'd be scary for them if you grew up to be that full-grown shark. Because that would force them to either not be in relationship with you or they have to grow too. Makes them feel better about themselves. So do they lift you higher or pull you down? I told a friend of mine, I don't want to say a name, but I told a friend of mine this week, she may sell unique, that she drew her eyebrows too high, and she seemed surprised. <laughs> but in relationship, we have to be able to say things to each other. Ugh. <sighs> Something told me not to say that. <laughs> are they good? Are your friends good to you or are they good for you? We talked about that last week. There's a difference. They can be good to you or are good for you. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. I'll read it to you in the Message Bible. Proverbs 13, 20. Become wise. Yeah, I want to become wise. How do I do it? By walking with the wise. Oh, that's what I was talking about. The people you hang out with, you become like them. By walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Be careful who you walk with or who you choose to surround yourself with, who you affiliate yourself with. You know, they say that you are the sum of your five closest relationships. The five closest people to you. Who has a voice in your life? No one? That's not good. Somebody needs a voice in your life. Everyone? That's not good. Either way. But who's got a voice in your life? Relationships. Think of it like a ship. Relationship. They're going to take you places. And each relationship has a different captain. And the close ones to you, you're jumping in their ship. So where are they headed? I'm going to jump in somebody's ship. It might take you somewhere you don't want to go. They're going to take you places. It could be good. It could be bad. Look at Proverbs 22, 24. Don't hang out with angry people. It's pretty practical. Hey, don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Dang. It's true. You'll get infected. And you know what the crazy thing is? It's not just with anger or angry people. You get infected by the people you hang around with. Like the longer you stay around somebody, they kind of start rubbing off on you. 
I don't know if you've ever paid attention or noticed, but like, have you ever worked with somebody or hung around somebody and they got a little phrase they like to say all the time and then eventually you catch yourself saying it. You realize, man, I'm saying what? Or like somebody that makes fun of southern accents and then they live in the south long enough that they start, it kind of, it rubs off on them. They start talking that way. You catch it like the flu. Who you're around, you're going to catch what they got. Who you are with, and it could be a good thing or a bad thing. You could catch some good things from people, or you can catch bad things. Don't hang around with angry people. You'll catch what they have. Look at Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18. This is familiar. We know, we know this verse. God just created everything. The sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the animals, all this stuff. And, and the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I mean, it's the first time we have recorded that God said something wasn't good, and it was that. He looked at Adam and he said, he's alone. This ain't good. I will make him a helpmate for him. But then, God says, it's not good that he's alone. Let me make him a helpmate. And then, look what God does in verse 19. Y'all say, I already know what he did. He put him to sleep. He made Eve. No. He said, let me make him a helpmate, a companion. And so, verse 19, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. And every fowl of the air. And he brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air. And to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmate for him. You know that song Blake Blake Shelton sings? almost said Blake Hilton. <laughs> Blake Shelton sings, you name the babies, I'll name the dogs. He got that out of Genesis. Adam got to name all the animals. Now that's biblical country song there for you. Uh, well, I'm done with people. I'm just going to get me a dog. Nope. Don't work that way. I got my cats, and I'm fine. Nope. God just said, it ain't good for man to dwell alone. Here, try every single animal that was ever thought up. Nope, none of those work, said God, our creator. And then he created another human. A real friend, not on Facebook. And he put her eye to eye so that they could interact and not text. It's not good for man to be alone. And then I was like, well, why did Adam name all the animals before God created Eve? Oh, because they would have never got it done if she was there. <laughs> you sure that's a good name for that? I don't know. Why would you name that thing that? That's a dumb name. Okay, all right, move on. Look at verse 25. 
God caused Adam to fall asleep. He pulled out a rib out of him. He made a woman, and he said, what do you think about this? And Adam said, whoa, man. And there was his helpmate, and she came to walk along beside him and be his helper as the first picture of human relationship. God created it. God said it was good that man not be alone. In verse 25, and they were both naked. What does that mean? Nothing was hidden. They weren't hiding anything from each other. They were not ashamed. Nothing was hidden in good relationship. You don't hide things from each other. You can be real. And the man and his wife were not ashamed. Sin always brings guilt and shame. Everything was good. God created trees and plants and animals and the sun and the moon. But he said, it is not good for man to dwell alone, to live alone. Think about it. Most of the bad decisions that we make or things that we wish we could go back and change, they happened when we were alone. Bad, stupid decisions that I've made in my life, I can look back and almost every one of them happened when I was alone, when I didn't consult godly counsel, when I, when I was alone and no one was around. Or Think about it. It was when you were alone. It's not good for man to be alone. That thing you stole, nobody was around. You didn't ask if this is going to be a good idea. Get some good counsel. When you looked at that website or... Uh, you know, if I talk to my wife before I spend money, I'll make a lot better financial decisions. It, I mean, it's just a fact. Like, man's not good alone. She brings a little balance and reason. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, Scripture says. You went out and got that... That boyfriend didn't care what any of your friends or family or anybody thought. Sometimes that don't work out too good. Or that girlfriend or that job or because you're doing it alone. Society tells us, do it on your own. Be a self-made man. Figure out how to do this thing on your own. Trust in you. You can't count on anybody else. Trust you. Oh, you don't need a man. I am woman, hear me roar. Sorry, I apologize. I don't know what that was. <clears throat> the goal seems to be get yourself to the point that you don't need anyone or anything. That's the goal. That's not God's goal for us. That's not what we see in the Bible. As Christians, that should not be our goal, is to get myself to the point where I don't need anyone. In fact, the longer we live life... I believe the more we should realize how much we need each other to be all that we're called to be. And once God keeps revealing his dream and how big it is, if you're dreaming God-sized dreams, you can't do it on your own. So the more you see your purpose and the more you see the dreams for your life, the more you know, I need people. And I don't just need any people or people that are pulling me back down. I need people that are going to push me, people that are going to support me, people that are going to come along beside me and help me to accomplish this, or I'll never get it done. I'll never be as big as God wants me to be on my own. Can't do it. That's a big life. 
Otherwise, we live these little small fenced-in lives and we never become what God wants us to be. The goal is not to do it on your own. Christianity, God, love, the Bible, and Dusty say no. You need people. So what does a godly, healthy relationship look like? I'm talking about a marriage or just a relationship between a brother or a sister or a godly relationship. What does that look like? I'm glad you asked. I'm about to show you. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And we all know 1 Corinthians, if any of us have been to a wedding, we all know this. It's known as the love chapter. Message Bible has chapter 13. Uh, the little headline is the way of love. The love never fails chapter, right? So this is where Paul is explaining to the Corinthians what love is. As Christians, God is love. We're supposed to look like God, so we're supposed to love. So every godly relationship that we have should have love in it. So look at these last couple verses as Paul's giving instructions on what love looks like. What, a, what, would, a love, what would a relationship look like? We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. We'll see it all as clearly as God sees us. Knowing Him directly, just as He knows us. That's a perfect relationship. Nothing hidden. Verse 13. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards this consummation. Trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly. Love extravagantly. And the best of the three is love. You know, you may have read it in King James. It says faith, hope, and love. And love is the most important of the three. So, that's what a godly relationship should look like a healthy, godly relationship that will last. You need three things. Faith or trust. First in God. For what is a godly relationship between me and anyone if we don't share trust and faith in God? That is off right there. So the first one is trust and faith in God. The faith we talk about being unequally yoked, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But you need faith and trust, not only in God, but you got to have faith in the person that you're having a relationship with. Because for us to be in a real relationship, I'm opening myself up to where you could hurt me. All right? And you're, if you're not opening yourself up, then we're not in a real relationship. So I not only have to have faith in God, but I have to have faith in people. I have to have faith in you. The second one, hope. There's got to be a hope for the future. I've got to think, hey, this, this relationship, we're going somewhere. 
hey, we're not going to quit when things get hard in this relationship. We're going to keep on going. There's a hope for the future in this thing. And even if things get rough and even if we go through a hard time, I got hope that we're going to be okay because I love you and you love me and this thing is built on faith. So I got hope for this relationship, but how do you have hope? You have to have a vision for what this is. Whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a partnership, you have to have a vision for where you're headed. And it has to kind of be the same Like you need to get on the same page. How frustrating would that be if you went to a job and there were two different people trying to run the job and they had two completely different sets of blueprints? It's not going to work. You're going to argue and fight and things are going to get tore out because they were done wrong and then those are going to get told they were done wrong and it doesn't work. Same in a relationship. If you get together... And say, hey, I got hope, and this is built on faith, and I got hope of the future of us together. So where are we headed? Where are you headed? Let me see if my dream and vision line up with yours. There's got to be hope. Even if it's in a bad time, my marriage is bad. You have the hope that it'll get better, and a vision or some blueprints of what you know to do. What can I do? Who am I surrounding myself with? What godly counsel am I getting in? What what am I doing to see this relationship get better? That's the blueprints. So I jotted down five things that I believe are hope crushers. Because a lot of us, we just lose hope in relationships. We don't have hope. We give up. So here's the five hope crushers. First one is criticism. We crush that hope by criticizing each other with that critical spirit. Oh, you can't do that, or you're you're never gonna be free, or you criticism. The next one, hope crusher, name calling. Really, what's the point? Sit there and call somebody names, and all it does is crushes the hope. And when you call somebody names, you're not calling them who they really are. You're not calling them who God created them to be. Third one, dishonesty. Dishonesty, when you break trust with somebody that you're in relationship with, it crushes the hope of the future for the relationship. You know how to build trust? Tell the truth. And time. That's the only way to build trust. Well, my Lord, I, I messed up two years ago and she still wants to check my phone all the time. Well, yep. It takes time and telling the truth, being honest. Dishonesty will crush the hope. Fourth one defensiveness. In a relationship, you can't have your guard up all the time and be defensive whenever somebody asks you something or comes at you or tries to talk to you. It's not a fight. You're not in a fight with your, close, with your relationships, the people that you pick to do life with. Don't be so defensive. Try to see where they're coming from. 
It's not a fight. Fifth one, fifth hope crusher is closing up. Hold it all in. Don't let it out. Don't tell that what hurt my feelings. Don't tell why I'm mad. Compress it, compress it, compress it. It's like a bomb. And one day, eventually, at some point, mushroom. It'll blow up. And it's going to hurt everybody around you. Don't close up. In a good relationship where there's hope, don't close up. All right, last one. Love. We're told that this one's the most important one. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, what I just told you. We're reading all the weddings. Love never gives up. This is our description of love. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. is isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Trust God always. Always looks for the best and never looks back. But keeps on going to the end. To love is to forgive. We see it all throughout the Bible. If you love, you got to forgive. Jesus told us over and over to forgive. Well, the disciples try to get him on a technicality. Well, how many times? If we forgive three or seven, they try to get him. You got to forgive to be in real relationship with each other. Because you're going to get hurt. And you're going to hurt people. You're going to need forgiveness. See, we're commanded to forgive in the same way that we were forgiven. And the way that I was forgiven was unconditionally. Romans says that while I was in my sin, while I was at my worst, lowest, darkest point of my whole life that I'll ever be at, Jesus died for me then. He paid the price. So we've got to forgive like we were forgiven. That's what love looks like. Jesus said, if you go to worship, you go to make a sacrifice at the temple, and you remember that someone has something against you. What, they got something against me? Well, that's their problem. Or I'm figuring it out. Now, Jesus said, if you remember they got something against you, leave the place of sacrifice and go make it right. That's how important relationships were to Jesus. He knew. I don't want to go to that church because they got a bunch of cliques. Well, so did God and Jesus. God had 12 tribes and Jesus had 12 disciples and then he had the three in the middle of that. Yeah, so I'm telling you today, get in a clique. Start a clique. Form a clique. Get in relationship with people. Get involved. Most of the time, people that say they got a clique and I can't get in, that's because they're not willing to do the hard thing and be in relationship with people. You're in relationship with some people in your life. We have to love. Jesus said, go make it right. 
Go fix it. Why? Because nothing just happens. Love's not a feeling. We're commanded to love, and you can't command a feeling. It's not whether you feel it. For a relationship to work, you need work. You're going to have to work. So your friends, your relationships, do they lift you higher or do they pull you down? Are they good to you or are they good for you? What kind of friends do you have? The right ones or wrong ones? Or some of you might just say none. I don't have any friends. I got good news for you today. It may be easiest for you if you, rather than having the wrong ones. You got none. Well, all you got to do is make a friend. And you can start with the right ones. How? How do I do that? You decide who you want to do life with. And then you go to them. It's real simple. Hey, um, could I buy your lunch one day this week? And we just talk? Sure. Hey, um, like, I noticed that... You and your wife seem to have a really good marriage. And how many years have y'all been married? Oh, wow, that's, that's impressive. Hey, me and my wife are kind of struggling. Could we cook y'all dinner one night this week and you guys just come and give us some wisdom and maybe pray for us? Hey, sure. Hey, man, I see your kids are... They're respectful to adults, and they're down here in the front, and they're worshiping God, and they seem to just love God. And, and some of my kids are, well, they're going crazy at this point in time. Um, you like football? Yeah. You think me and my son could just come over, and if I bring some hot wings, we could come over and watch the football game next week and just hang out with you guys? Sure. How many hot wings are you bringing? It's not that hard to make a friend. You choose what you need to surround yourself with. You make a blueprint. Hey, this area of my life is weak. So I need to surround myself with some relationships that are strong in that area. And then you go out and you do the work to make a relationship. We all know how to make a friend. Just like I was saying, you just go out and... Ask them. And if they turn out to be a jerk, that's not the relationship you wanted to be in anyways. Won't you come to my house? Okay, fine. Never mind. Try again. It's the same way that you got the wrong friends. It's the same thing. Gathered around some common interest. Just happened to be around each other, so you became friends. That's why it's so important to be a part of church and Wednesday nights and church softball and the things that we have going on that don't even seem that important. But the more you're around somebody, you become friends with that person just because you're close to each other. That's why it's scary to send a group of teenagers on a missions trip together. They're not around anybody else that speaks their language and they're together for so long and they come back, they're all engaged. I mean, nobody else around, so... You got to get them liking somebody real good before they go, like we did with Zach and Heather. (laughs) Where they they stay on course. 
That's why we encourage you to hang out and do life with each other because the people you're around every day is who you end up becoming friends with. You form relationships with. It's the same way you got your, your bad group of friends. But you need people. So start a group. It's a pretty easy way to do it. We've talked about it a lot, having small groups and little... you. People call them all different kinds of things, but start a group centered around something that interests you. Start a fishing group. Take a bunch of guys fishing. They're not all going to be full of wisdom, but I guarantee you there's a couple of them in there that can give you some wisdom and, and in your group, and as you meet and you begin to get into each other's life, or start a group around reading a book. Start a group around, we meet every Monday and we drink coffee and we each bring our one favorite point that Pastor Dusty preached about yesterday. That'll encourage people to show up to church so they know what to talk about at your small group. And I guarantee you, you'll form some relationships. Maybe not with everybody in the group, but some of them. And in that, you will heal and you will grow and they'll push you. And it'll make you more than you can be on your own. God wants us to be in relationship with each other. But what separates us from other religions is that God wants us to be in relationship with Him. He doesn't just want us to do a list of rules and, and to act out a religion. He wants relationship. That was the purpose. That's why He sent Jesus. That's why he created Adam to start with, is so that we could be in relationship with him. He wants relationship. Well, why do I need people? I got enough problems on my own. 2 Corinthians 6 talks about being unequally yoked. You guys know that scripture. I don't even have, I don't even have to turn to it. It talks about being unequally yoked together with unbelievers, people that don't believe the same thing that you believe. So we like to just put a little cap on that and be like, yeah, don't be unequally yoked with somebody that's not a Christian or not saved because I am. But it's with unbelievers, somebody that doesn't believe the same thing that you believe. Unequally yoked, so what is a yoke? It's a big wooden thing that they use to hook together two oxen back then. So if you were going to plow a field or pull a big cart full of hay... You would hook two oxen together with a big wooden yoke. And so he used that as an example because if you hook one big strong one with one little weak one and you go out and start trying to plow a field or say one of them's sick and you don't know it and you go start plowing a field, the one strong one that's feeling good is going to be pulling harder than the little one and you're going to be going in circles. You're not going to get straight rows, and you're not going to accomplish very much, and you're going to spend your time, or like some of us get in that place in life where we feel like we're just going around in circles. And we put our head down, and we plow, and we plow, and we plow, and we plow, and we pick up our head, and we're still in the same spot. And five years, ten years, twelve years, twenty years later, we look up, and we're still in the same spot doing the same thing. And it's okay, because we plowed a nice little circle. And plowed the heck out of it. But we could have done a whole lot more, a whole lot straighter and a whole lot better if we would have been yoked up to the right person. 
that believed the same thing we believed, that had the same vision that we have, and that was running the same race. But instead, we yoke ourselves and we have relationship with people that are in a different lane. And even maybe it's nothing bad about that person. Maybe they're just not headed the same place you're headed. So you don't need to be hooked together if you don't believe the same thing. If you're not headed in the same direction, you don't need to be yoked together. Paul is saying stop connecting yourself or aligning yourself with people that are not in your lane, that are not running your race. I got a word for somebody. You will lose some relationships when you choose to plow this field. Put your head down and run. And every once in a while, look up. Look around you. See who's running with you. There, I could pick lots of different ones of you in this room, but uh, I'll talk about Nathan for a minute. He's easy to pick on. Uh, let me say that I, I believe that I'm kind of scared about the field that I think God's calling me to plow. And I feel like more than ever, like he's got some big things for us as a church and as a body. And Nathan is somebody that's with me. And that I believe is going to be yoked and help and family is along beside me to support and help with what we're doing, what we got going on. But as I was studying this and reading this and just thinking and listening to God, I, I thought about how he was gone for years. Gone for years. We weren't yoked together. I didn't even see him or talk to him or anything. And he's a big part of what I believe God's doing with us right now. But he was gone for years. We weren't yoked together because we didn't believe the same thing. We weren't headed in the same direction at that time. And there's nothing wrong with that. He was plowing other fields. And so I just put my head down and plowed the field I was supposed to plow. And after a while, I looked up. And he was back. Had a yoke on his shoulder. We're heading in the same direction now. I wasn't going to say all this, but Sometimes the field scares me. And I need some of you to be yoked with me or I can't plow the field. 
I need all of you. Relationship is the only way. You and Jesus ain't enough. That's great. I'm glad you got a good relationship with God. And what about your horizontal relationships? Let me read you a verse in James 5.16 and a verse in 1 John 1.7, and then we're going to close and be done. James 5.16. James 5, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to God. Wait, is that what it says? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Wait, confess your sins to each other so that you can be whole and healed? Yeah, in relationship in the small groups, in the relationships as you come together and say, hey, I'm struggling with something. Guys, pray for me. Or, hey, you know what? I I feel like God spoke to me Sunday during church and God said that you need to deal with this area in your life. And then one of those relationships will say, yeah, God spoke to me about that a few months ago. Here's a couple of Bible verses that helped me. Hey, And by confessing to each other, by being in relationship with each other, we heal. We're made whole. How God wanted us to be. Look at 1 John. 1 John 1, verse 7, one verse here. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with Him? No. We have fellowship with each other. We all go through stuff. But I don't want to just make it through, barely get by. I want to learn how to dance in the rain. How? You got to know who or whose you are. Find a home. Find somewhere you can connect. Find a place to plant some roots. Somewhere you belong. Because together we heal. In relationship, we're made whole. So when we come to church and God speaks and I stand up here and give you the word of the Lord and tell you what I think God said, it lights a fire. 
in you. It gives you passion and excitement and it lights a fire of what God says and, and there's this great fire and we're supposed to be light. We're supposed to bring warmth to the earth. And this bowl's getting extremely hot. <laughs> it lights a fire in you and that's what we're supposed to do. But the problem is a lot of us would come into church or into an experience like church or to a conference or to a Jesus jam or to a camp or something like that and we get lit. We all love getting lit. So we feel good and excited. And it's a great thing. But then we go back out into the world and we go out. We need to be relit. We're looking for, where's the fire? Where's the touch? I got to get back. I got to get back to a worship service. I got to go back in and let God speak to my life to light me on fire again. And we're not the light. Or can I say, we don't have the impact that we could have if we could keep that fire burning all the time. Instead of letting it go out by Wednesday, my fire's out. I'm not really much of a light the rest of the week. And I come back in church and I get just enough Jesus to kind of fill me up what I need, and I got enough light and warmth for me, but I don't really have enough to share or give away because my light might go out by Monday. If Monday's a bad day, I'm out. My fire goes out. If we don't put wood on it and keep it going, then the fire's going to go out. So what's the wood? Relationships. It's people. It's coming up here and sitting in warrior training and talking to somebody about something they're struggling with. It's, it's going up to the highland and seeing most of our church because they all work there and eat there. So, I mean, you walk in there, you get by yourself some lunch, you get fellowship. They're guaranteed. If nothing else, you're waitress. And it's not that good a company, but that's not the point. <laughs> kidding. It's having a book study or having a cookie swap or it, it's getting in relationship with each other. It's calling people and saying, hey, here's what God's doing in my life. Hey, I'm excited. Can you feel it? Hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? It's serving. It's getting together and serving the church. It's getting together and going and feeding the homeless. It's getting together and doing something bigger than yourself. And you know what? All the wood looks different. And some of it is hard And some of it is mushy. See, that piece is a little bit rotted. Huh? It's like all of you. Some of us are hard, and some of us are mushy, and some of us have big bumps. Right? We all look different. But we all keep the fire going. You got to put wood on your fire. Otherwise, you just keep on coming in, getting your fire lit. The fire goes back out. You go back home, and you never make the greater impact that you could make. In church, you hear from God. You get motivated. You're moved in your spirit. Just like the fire gets lit. That's the Holy Spirit moving. Then the fire goes out got to put wood on the fire. you got to have those relationships. Relationships are the wood that keeps you burning. Let's pray.
God, we hear you. And God, sometimes people are hard. And it's hard to forgive. It's hard to love. It's, sometimes it's easier to just not or to run away. But God, we see over and over and over and over again in Scripture that that's not what we're called to do. It's to quit or run away or give up. Love never fails. Love never quits. Love never gives up. Jesus said we got to forgive infinity. Never stop. God, thank you for showing us the importance of relationships and friends and who we surround ourselves with and who we do life with. God, give us a greater reach. God, we want to see the kingdom come. On earth as it is in heaven. So we ask that you give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need for this day. And we'll obey and we'll move on. We're going to put our heads down and we're going to run our race. And we thank you for the people that you've placed in our lives that are going to run along beside us. I thank you for the people with a connecting vision. We will be an impact. We love you. Thank you for entrusting us to be your representatives. In Jesus' name, amen.